Today, we speak to Selmira Crespi about her book, Happy Mom, Happy Life, How to Reconnect with the Best Version of You for Your Kids. That is, if our kids will actually let us have this conversation today. Like a sparrow building shelter with branches for its young, my mother built a nest with love for her little ones. My grandfather told her, doesn't matter what you have, the only thing you need for life is each other's helping hands. Never And welcome to Never the Empty Nest. I'm Vanessa. I'm Jackie. I'm Nicole. And we have an amazing guest today, Selmina Crespi, who is my sister-in-law, but also wrote the book, Happy Mom, Happy Kid. Hi, Selmina. Thanks for being here. Hey, how are you? We always start with a little bit about our days, and maybe we should forewarn the audience that they might hear a mutiny at our door of children from the other room. It's possible. Everything is possible, because there's a lot of kids here in this house right now. How were your days? The day or the days? <laughs> <laughs> well, both. there's two of you. They all blend into one. Yes. So your days, but each of your day. Okay. My days, uh, because they're sort of blending in one after the other, are I have an ongoing urgency emergency at work that needs my full attention. And obviously through the weekend, morning, nights, we have overcome it, but still, this is like the end of it. So if I have to go and look at my phone and come back, and then obviously the day-to-day is the 90-year-old child in the house and the two kids, and today it's a little special here because we have these darlings uh, out there. You're going to hear the music. <laughs> yeah. So you've been particularly stressed at work because you are a property manager. And for those that don't know, there was a big tragedy in South Florida, which was the collapse of a building in Surfside, a neighborhood here. And I mean, it's made national, if not international news at this point. But as a property manager, that is now something that's heavy on the heads of every single person who who works in that industry to make sure that doesn't happen again. So that's definitely stressful. And in that area, because that Mm -hmm. building that you manage is right there. Near. We're safe and sound, but still you have to, you know, do what you have to do, go through the process. We had been going anyway before, and everybody, uh, because of this tragedy, everybody is on edge. Everybody Mm -hmm. is overly cautious, Mm -hmm. rightfully so, but that creates another layer of of issues. So, uh, but we're okay. It's happened before, uh, you know, stressful things like that at work, and they always work out. Yeah. Nikki? Um, mine's just usual thing being here. I have two kids, but now I have three. You have joined onto being one of the parents of the 90 year old grandmother. Yeah. And so that they can work because I don't even know how they do work with her there all day. My grandmother, I'm doing the daytime, all the things and it's day shift. very time consuming and, and night shift. And night shift because she gets up in the middle of the night. And then, yeah, there's all kinds of things. It's emotional and physical and mental. So it's like around the clock, all the feels. And then, yeah. Cinderella, Cinderella. Yeah. <laughs> and Selmina, how's your day? 
My day is going great. I actually had to pick up my own book that I wrote because I was feeling a little bit off. I have a three-month-old baby, and I said I want to check myself to see how I'm doing. So I got out um, a checklist that we wrote in our book, um, Happy Mom, Happy Kid. And I realized I wasn't really working out too much. So I went out for a stroll, listened to some music, and just kind of got my head back on. I have a lot of kids. I have five and I'm breastfeeding, and I just popped one off of my breast to run over here to do uh, this interview, while the two toddlers, I have a three and a two-year-old, just got back from camp. It's been active. We have my kids in, in summer. I mean, well, my schedule is completely off because I'm basically there all the time for them. So where I can squeeze myself in, it's about three hours per day. And sometimes I have to do stuff for the house too. So it's a little bit crazy, but I'm okay. Yeah. Can you talk about, I mean, you said I have, a, I have a lot of them, you have five. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about this, the journey, your journey to motherhood, meaning like, did you always know that you wanted to have five kids? Is this something that was always, I mean, I think what the national average is 2.5 or, and people are choosing sometimes to have less. What's the, what's the impetus to have the five kids? And was that something that you thought about before or sort of progressed? What's that? I actually lived in Uruguay until I was six years old. We have a big family in Uruguay. My mom has, she's not one of nine and my dad is one of five. And so we had a lot of family around all the time. And when I was six, we went to live to Panama for my dad's first destination as a, a UN representative. And I lost that amount of people that I loved just like on my daily, daily basis. I remember that we spent 13 Christmases without my family, with my, without my extended family. And I counted every one of them because I missed my family Christmases back in Uruguay a lot. And I always kept on thinking, not everybody, I mean, a lot of people are missing, but by being four siblings, there was always kind of like a group. I mean, it never felt like somebody was, was missing. I mean, we had like, kind of like rackets still going on and the movement and, and, and the laughter and, and the conversations and... There were a good amount of people sitting at the table anyways. So I always knew that I wanted four. I didn't know what that meant at the time. I thought I was going to have four kids and married by 25. And like that obviously did not happen. I used to think a lot of things about motherhood. And then I became a mother. And that's kind of started to change a little bit than what, how many kids I wanted. And I kind of backpedaled. I, I, like, I, I had one, backpedaled. Well, maybe I'll just do two. Then I said, no, maybe I'll, I'll do three. By the time the third one was here, I was like, no, I, I mean, I, th I think I want four. And by the time I finished that phrase, I was already pregnant with the fourth, kind of like surprising <laughs> in the moment yeah. that I realized that. It was great. I mean, we love him. <laughs> and then the fifth was kind of like the really talked about, like, should we do one more? Like, do, like should we like, do, get into the game one more time? At first, I was like, no, 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 no way, no way. I mean, I, my hands just like, they don't have enough hands to manage um, four kids. Imagine if I throw one more into the dish and coronavirus hit and we were stuck in our apartment with our four kids and they're all very close together in age. I have an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old, he just turned seven, and then a three-year-old and a two-year-old. They were there and, and we were we were fine. I mean, the kids like didn't really like miss being outside too much. They had people with them to interact with. They had their mm -hmm. siblings to play with. 
And I realized that if I took it down a notch, if I wasn't stressing so much about running the one of the kids to soccer or one of the, if she had to do ballet or she had to do this and that, if I would like de-stress the extracurricular activities and just enjoy the fact that they were together and that they had each other, I really started seeing that somebody was missing. Like they were I'm missing one more. Where is he? And that's when we just we decided to have one more um, close together. I'm very separate in age with my siblings, so people started getting off the ship. Like when I was still kind of growing up, and I was kind of like, okay, so he's gone to college, he's gone to college, she's gone to college, and I was a single daughter for a while. Mm-hmm. So I wanted all my kids to kind of have each other growing up, kind of maybe kind of have the same friends and stuff. So that was good. I mean, if I was going to have a f- fifth kid, it wasn't going to be like one like down the road. It would be like it would, right. it's either now or no. And um, yeah. and that's when Pipe, Felipe came around. And now he's here. And now he's here. <laughs> Being married to your brother, I can attest to the lots of the first cousins because the first time I went to Uruguay to meet the family, your brother was like, well, okay, so we're going to spend this day with my mom's side of the family, the first cousins. And I think there's like, 20-something on one side, first cousins and 18 or something like that on the other side? It's 32 and 17, something like that. Okay. So lots of first cousins and there's a real beauty to that that I can see how you can miss that, you know, like that kind of, it's like what you just said, they are each other's extracurricular activities or can be. Originally, your first pregnancy, when you find out your first pregnancy, Jose, which is my niece, right? We that we we all know and love has Down syndrome. So what what was that process as like first time mom given this news? And then what? Like what is that? What was that like? Well, I was ex- I wanted I was planning on getting pregnant when I was thirty. I was working at an airline in internal communications, and I was like, okay, yeah, it's just like down the road when I turn thirty, I'll have my first kid. And she came when I was twenty eight. Not a surprise, but kind of, I didn't know it was that easy. So, okay. So not, it's not easy for everybody. So I thought, I mean, it has to take a little bit of work. It didn't take work. There she was. And um, I was like, okay, she's here. Great. Awesome. I know she's going to be a girl. I kind of felt it. I had a friend, a very close friend at when, when I got pregnant who had lost a child to um, trisomy 14. I mean, there's trisomy 21, which is Down syndrome, and then there's trisomy 14 and 18, which usually those are pregnancies that don't actually end up with the baby living. It's just a much more complicated pregnancy. 21 is the one that always usually makes it, and it's fine, which is what we know today as Down syndrome. So when the doctor was telling me, do you want to get the blood test done? I was kind of young. I mean, I didn't really have a reason to get the blood test for genetic testing done. And she's like, well, I mean, I mean, she could have Down syndrome if you want. And I was like, okay, but that's not going to change my choice. I'm st- I would still have her if she has Down syndrome. I, I didn't know if she was a girl. I just kept on talking about like her. She was a girl. <laughs> and he was like, well, it could be trisomy 14 or 18. I was like, what's that? And he'd explain. And I was like, oh, this is what my friend had. And I was like, you know what? If something does kind of go haywire, I would like to know before just to be prepared for death. I had lost my mom to cancer like a couple of years back. So it's like, I, I know that it, it's sometimes it's good to be, if, if you can get a little bit of heads up, it's, it's all, always good to, to know. And that's when they told me that I had much more probability of her having Down syndrome. And so I got the, uh, um, the amniocentesis, like the, mm-hmm. the belly puncture thing, yeah. which I would never do again. But at first I was kind of like first, 
time mom was like, yes, let's, let's wing it and try it. And, um, and it came out a hundred percent. And when we actually got the news, I was in shock. It was kind of like, this is, this is like a movie. This is happening to somebody else. This isn't happening to me because I was completely ignorant about what Down syndrome really was. And I had somebody close to me that, um, like my Altina or my dad's wife has an older, like a, a much more older person with Down syndrome as she's her sister. And so when they tell me my baby's going to have Down syndrome, I basically did like this flash forward of 60 years of somebody with Down syndrome. Like I saw like somebody's life until 60 years. And, right. and I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to deal with this. And then we went back home and we kind of thought about it and we thought about it and we were pretty bummed out because we just didn't know what we were dealing with. We were very ignorant about it. And I kept on thinking there are so many people that have kids with Down syndrome and they're happy and they're fine. What am I losing? Like, I'm, I'm not paying attention to the right stuff here and I can't see where, donde me estoy perdiendo. And, um, where I'm losing myself. <laughs> <laughs> One day I just woke up and I realized before Down syndrome or heart surgery, because Josefina had to have heart surgery and they told us that also at the same time before having to deal with Down syndrome or having to deal with a heart surgery because of how the heart surgery was going to, uh, she's going to be operated at three months. Mm. This baby's going to need somebody to hug her and love her and change her diapers and just love her just the way she is. And I basically mentally prepared myself to give her the best birth ever. Like any of my kids would ever deserve basically. Obviously I hadn't, they didn't have more kids, But if I was kind of confused about if I wanted to be a mom, maybe I wanted to be a mom at 30 and now I'm a mom at 28, like the whole Down syndrome and, and heart surgery kind of like slapped me into like reality. And she's like, she's going to need you like with your top game right mm -hmm. now. And you have to be there with open arms. And her birth was like the most beautiful birth in the world. We had a helicopter at Mercy Hospital ready to take her to the children's hospital to get the surgery if she would need it. Mm -hmm. I, I told my cardiologist to come check her. She got checked ASAP. Everything was fine. She's like, you can take her to, her, to, her, to your room. Everything was absolutely perfect. For the tricky situation in which we were in, it was a beautiful birth and everything that could go okay went okay. Right. And being Jose's mom has obviously taught us a lot about uh, learning to have patience, how learning that everybody has their own process and their own times. She has a very strong connection with me. I can't run away from it. And it's like, sometimes I, I, I would want her to kind of not be so connected to me because just to like, so that she'll leave me alone. But like, if I'm having <laughs> a bad day, she'll start like acting out horribly, or she'll start like, like calling my attention in different ways or She'll do things that she doesn't usually do. And then I just scratch a little bit more of myself. And I find that I'm not having the best day either. And I literally sit mm -hmm. down with her. And I'm like, okay, so mom's not having a great day. How are you? And she's like, I'm okay. And it's like, when we hug. And then she just like, la, 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 goes away. <laughs> she doesn't emotionally check up with me, which is like, it's too funny because it's automatic. Yeah. She's eight now. She's going to turn nine in November. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's awesome because she just, um, she keeps us, uh, steering clear of 
things that like like the silly things. She's like, yeah, when's Christmas? When are we going to be together? Mom and dad, you should hug more. <laughs> um, like we should all be eating ice cream all the time. Like we don't like let's let's do like real good things for life all the time. The basic truths. Yeah, yeah. On a light note for this moment, I kept thinking my sister has had to get up about five times because the kids are knocking on the door. So mom is not quite happy right now. <laughs> I'm not- no, I'm having a fit because I really want to be part of this. And I keep having to leave because they're trying to come in and I'm trying to prevent choking and breaking of arms. And uh, it's very yeah. intense, right? At the same time, I can hear their joy in the other room know, and they're having so much fun. And then I think like how to send me, like this is me with four for like an hour. I'm like, what the F? Like I can't, I don't know how, cause even like I can't. I actually think it's super appropriate that we are exemplifying and personifying on this end. Yeah, the type of nest of all the children. Sounds like my house. Yeah. Yeah, we so, get it now. I know you guys have specific questions for Zelmira about the book, like how it started and well, what made you want to write the book? And was like, what was the process of that? How did you even get that started? How could you even with five children around you? But really what the first question, I guess, is what made you want to write the book? I had uh, Josefina and, and her like my, my first start with motherhood. I was I, I walked in like a little like innocent lamb into motherhood and I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Great, whatever. <laughs> and then just like finally, when I got to the place of she has Down syndrome, but everything's fine and perfect. And uh, and then like we, we did that chapter. But then eventually real motherhood, like official, like, I mean, not saying that a special needs mom isn't a real mom, but it's just like, like, what is like officially motherhood? I I stopped working because Josefina had so many therapies and she had to recuperate from her operation and everything. So it was impossible to keep my day job. And then it's like, so what do you do? Like, like, like now that I'm not working, I mean, I'm taking care of the baby. Obviously, we couldn't afford a nanny or, or daycare right at the moment. We were only living on my, my husband's um, salary. So what do I do myself? I mean, I'm, I'm taking care of the baby all the time. And then I got pregnant at, at um, 11 months of Josefina, which didn't really give me much time to really plan anything else. Yeah. But we did have a lot of the professionals around us, the therapists, the doctors, the cardiologists. Everybody kept on saying, like, have another kid like don't wait too much because it's going to help you guys kind of move past the down syndrome mm-hmm. parenting and kind of go into like just regular parenting with a kid with down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And that was a really good tip. My pregnancies are all like a pukey mess. Um, I'm, I have a horrible, horrible time being pregnant. I basically lose myself entirely in, in every pregnancy, but they're worth it. And, um, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, great. So I had the second baby and then we were, and he was a, a, a cute little boy and everything was fascinating for me once again, because obviously Josefina had taken so long to do, I mean, she started walking when she was two years old. She started to, uh, to eat by herself when she was like three and a half. Everything was so in a different rhythm with Jose. When I had Francisco, I was like, oh my God, like I push this little arm like a couple of times and the kid already knows how to like lift the arm. Like <laughs> everything was just like amazing. It was just like, I was kind of like all the constantly like doing like physical therapy with him, trying to figure out like if I'm, if I teach him how to put his little knee here, I was like, oh my God, he's crawling. And it's just kind of like a new toy. Cause uh, when I was going to therapy with Josefina every single day. So basically yeah. I turned myself into a therapist. So I was just kind of trying out and 
I did find myself when I had two, which I always tell people, it was harder for me to be mom of two than be mom of five. I mean, because when I don't know, there was something about the number two that just kind of like made me like more stressed about how am I going to use my time? Mm -hmm. um, and you can reach two kids like you can. There's a capacity to reach two kids. It's hard, but you can do it. Once you hit the three, the four, the five, somebody's going to have to wait. And that mm -hmm. kind of gives me a little bit more, like, I feel a little bit more relaxed. Like, you know what? I mean, mom's doing her best where everybody's doing her best. Thank God you have siblings and give me one second. I'm going to take care of your sibling and then I'm going to take care of you. I do flow a little bit better in that sense myself. That's super interesting to me because it's one of the arguments that I had with Ignacio, my husband, your brother of like, I am like, I want to put all like, I know how I am. And you put all the things in this person. Oh my God, there's going to be another one. How am I going to do this? How am I going to split my time? And he thought that was always the most hilarious thing in the world. <laughs> he was like, that's hilarious that because they're four, you know? Um, but I, I do think it's I, like, I'm always like, here, you can have all of me and here you can have all of me, but actually they're only getting half because you can't actually be fully with two people, a thousand percent, and those are two. So what you're saying, it's interesting because it's like all the sides of the same problem, you know, yes. or what, it's not a problem. It's, what is it? A reality. It's a reality, yeah. It is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you say that when you're pregnant, if I understood you well, you lose yourself. Is that yourself as Selmira? Or is that that you feel so yucky because maybe you have morning sickness or how, what does that mean that you lose yourself? Basically what I have is like a, a low, a low dose of hyperemesis gravidarium when I'm pregnant and um, which it, it, it hits like a certain percentage, a very low percentage, but it hits a certain people that get pregnant. It's basically feeling so physically off that you really don't function like yourself. I would get a little bit depressed. I would get a little bit too um, very, very, very anxious to be able to do everything that I wanted to do. And I couldn't. I couldn't get to my kids sometimes with the way I would wanted to, even though the kids were usually fine. And this is something that I learned from losing my mom. The thing that I most, I miss the most about my mom have, has always been her hands because mm -hmm. she just kept, kept, she always had her hands around me. Like, I mean, she would always be like, touching my hair or whatever, or just like watching her hands. And I, I, I did have that piece that even though I was very, very ill in a sense, because I was pregnant, I would always touch them like as much mm -hmm. as I could hug them, touch them. Maybe I wasn't being able to take them to the beach as much or take them to the park as much, or maybe have the best disposition or patience all the time. So I'd be like a little bit more quiet. I'm not my favorite person when I'm pregnant. I do look at it as a couple of months of investing and turning into this little Grinch that I don't like. And then <laughs> I come back and I do think that they'll eventually remember me more like past the pregnancies. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. if, I, if I stay, if they stay with the image of me in the past eight years of um, being pregnant and pu pukey, I don't, I mean, I wouldn't like myself either that much, but I did my best. I did lose myself during pregnancies, but then coming out of the pregnancy, And just one day I'm just sitting in the playpen with my, my two little kids, Josefina and Francisco, and they're playing. And it's like, okay, like, wh what do I do with my creativity? Like, cause mm -hmm. I've, I've always been creative. I always written or maybe 
or done different things, uh, I was worked like, where do I, what do I do now? Um, I don't have the budget to help get somebody to help me and take care of the kids so that I have some active hours every day. I end up wasted, like, like so, so, so tired from all the activities during the day with the kids. So where, where do I fit in into this mm -hmm. thing? And I thought it was kind of like the only person going through this. And that's when I, I went to Maria's house, which is my co-writer. We knew each other and we were friends from before, but this one's like the first like revamp of our friendship. And I was like, look, I, I can't deal. And she had just had had her fourth and her fourth had a horrible, horrible reflux, like a huge, oh, baby. No. She's kind of like she was, she was like sitting, talking to me, holding the baby upright. And the baby kept on like doing yeah. the entire conversation. And she's like, he does not sleep. He does not, I cannot sleep. I cannot, like, he cannot eat. It's like, this is horrible. But she had somehow gotten the times and the moments to build up her little business. She was selling stuff on eBay at first, and then she started selling stuff on Amazon. And she kind of dabbled and found times to dabble with things that she found interesting. And she eventually turned into like an online guru for all of the people that we know her um, for selling online. And I asked her, like, what happened to me? Like, I realized that, I mean, I, I was working in an airline. I, I had a really good job. I, I did this entire career. And now I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't see an outlet. I mean, I don't want to go to work either from a nine to five job because I don't want to leave my, my two kids and especially with the special needs, uh, just with anybody. I mean, I want to be there for my kids, but how mm -hmm. do I like take care of myself self creatively? And I, that's when I started to kind of like read self-help books and try to get back on the train. And I tried to sell things on Amazon because she was my friend and she kind of taught me how to do it. And I was like, this isn't creative at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got pregnant again and I kept on talking to people about my journey. And I kept on asking a lot of people around me about their journey. And I, I started to talk to a lot of elderly women, like more like, I don't know, maybe 20 years older than me and I started hearing a lot of, uh, now that my kids have left, I don't know what to do in my time. Like what, <laughs> now that my kids have gone to college, um, maybe I should write that cookbook that I always wanted to write, or maybe I should start gardening and motherhood just kind of basically like bulldozers over you. And then you come out the other end and you don't even know what you want to do with your life. Like you don't even know what you like. Cause I knew I liked writing. I knew that I liked to be creative. I knew that I liked to connect with people maybe coaching, maybe psychology. I knew that. I just didn't have the time. Why does this happen that sometimes you just feel that some, just there, there's no answers to be found? What is mm -hmm. that? Why? There's so many ways to enter motherhood and there's so many approaches to this, to the reality, <laughs> as you're saying, you know, because um, like everything that you're mentioning also I knew that I didn't want to stop working, for example, that I, that I couldn't do that that I really couldn't, or I, I just, I personally couldn't. So then I know that four kids is probably not for me, <laughs> for me personally, but that doesn't mean that there aren't a million ways to do, to mother. Yeah. You have a different one. Everyone in this room has an absolutely different approach. Completely different approach. And I'm the oldest one here, uh, much older than all of you. I'm not a very big planner. So uh, I loved hearing your story, Selmira, about this whole, you know, your journey uh, to five. It's beautiful. I knew I wanted to have a couple of daughters and they came one uh, after the other. 
And I could not do both. I don't have that ability. So I personally had to stop everything else and just, you know, do the, the mommy things. And that's what I felt comfortable with. And that's what I wanted to do at the time. And what life has taught me is that I'm glad I did that in my own journey because that's what I wanted to do. And there were a lot of things. I'm 65 years old. So think that women's lib and all this stuff was going on when I was a young woman. And I am a feminist, but I also knew that, well, you know, as simple as this, I just want to do this right now. Mm -hmm. And you know what? You always have time and it presents itself. Okay. It just presents itself as your life unfolds and you're a creative person. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Selmira now. It just like your book unfolded. uh, Everything is going to, to unfold. It just happens. You did the Nancy Pelosi thing. Nancy Pelosi has a bunch of. She has how many kids does she have? We could look it up in a she second. She has about five too. Yeah, yeah. she has. A and she she did, like there was a moment where then she was like, okay, and now I'm I'm going to go full force into this into what essentially was a. Oh, there's a little one. He's joining us. Joaquim, do you want to say hi? Um, into politics, but as we approach the end of this episode of this chaotic episode. <laughs> One question for you, Selmira, is if you want people to take away one thing from your book, like if you were going to say, this is the one thing I want people to take with them after reading the book or something to look for in your book, what is that? It's what the the real reason that we wanted to write this book. Uh, we started with a question, like what happens to moms when uh, you you get like when you have kids, like what does motherhood really do to you? When we finished it, it was like, we want to just like take out the myth of motherhood. It's a joyride, but it's going to have its obstacles and it's going to have moments where you're going to doubt yourself and you're going to doubt what you're doing and you're going to just give it your all and it's not really going to turn out the way you want to. So we want women to like feel that they have permission to feel everything that you feel as a mother and not feel bad about it. Know yourself, know what you need, and just you have permission to, to, to feel, and then you can decide what you wanna do with those feelings. Mm-hmm. We do live with a lot of expectations that and everybody kind of walks into motherhood thinking it's gonna give them a lot, and it, and it does, but the hard work, it's, we're not talking about hard work of sleepless nights. We're talking about like the big mm-hmm. impacts into your life that you really have to make big decisions and they're not as easy to do. So basically what we want is that it's just like take out the myth of, of the wondrous motherhood. Everybody knows the type of mother they want to be. They just have to be true to themselves. And and they have like to give moms permission to understand everything that we go through as moms. It's, it's a pickle. It's not that. Yeah. I also heard someone say this the other day and I thought it was the most amazing thing. He was like, he said that people speak in draft. And I was like, oh, like in drafts of things, right? Like, so everything you say is actually a draft of your next idea or your next whatever. And I feel like our our growing thoughts about motherhood are in continual drafting, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. like they're always being drafted. So I just said, you know, I might not be the kind of person to have four kids and watch that tomorrow I have four kids. I mean, not tomorrow, but like four in several years. Any closing thoughts for you guys? I can't. She can't because she's holding a baby. I literally can't move right now. 
<laughs> explanation of what's happening right. if you could see it there's a little what would we say this a little monkey yeah a <laughs> barnacle. there's a barnacle, a barnacle on me a right little now barnacle koala. he's very he's very um he's a cream he's puff. a bit of a cream puff so he's sensitive and oh, he hurt so me. this he this me. sensitive koala is joaquim yes. and he is how old He's four, and I worry. He's starting school now, and I worry about him in school, uh, leaving the nest because he's very. He's just not sensitive. That, like he's very sensitive. Yeah, he's like a very. Yeah. Okay. Shh. <laughs> also, we all believe in the attachment theory, and this is like oh, the yeah. ultimate he attachment like the, right here. He's like the king of attachment, <laughs> and we all—I'm a total pushover in that way. Yeah, and he's still in pull-ups. It's and know. and he will leave the nest, and he will come back at the end of every single day, and everything will be fine. Absolutely, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, everything will be fine. So we just want to say. Thank you for yes. being on the Thank show with you. us today. Thank you, Sydney. Thank you. For this unexpected little ride. And we will catch everyone next week on what we are sure is going to be a little bit quieter, but uh, maybe less fun. No, it'll be just as fun or more fun. <laughs> Come back. All right. Thank you. Bye. 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 All of your success, she says, all the great things ahead. I'll be here when it's time.